You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2 and let's just jump right in because we are in the second sermon in a series of messages on this subject. It's on the screen. Jesus, God's greatest gift. And now that all the decorations are up in your house and at the church, if you haven't seen, right in front of you and all throughout the building, beautiful. I love this time of the year. And so we're looking at characters in the Christmas story, right? We're learning from their lives. So we learned last week from the life of Simeon. Simeon was an interesting guy. Uh, We don't know a lot about him. We do know this, that for his entire life, he waited for something. He waited for a promise to be fulfilled by God Almighty. And in his waiting, he learned so many things. And there's so much we can learn in our waiting. And that message has helped me already this week as I have been uh, challenged to wait on the Lord. And so I want to begin this message this morning by just drawing your attention to something that we often have heard. And we've maybe heard it kind of like a cliche. So here's my introduction. And it is this, Jesus is the answer. And that sounds so simple, doesn't it? Jesus is the answer. In fact, there was a song written years ago that I used to sing in church when I was a teenager. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other, for Jesus is the way. It's a great song, and we sang it a lot in our church, and Jesus is the answer. But somebody might ask the question, well, if Jesus is the answer, then what's the question? What's the question then? Well, doesn't matter what the question is. For every question. Jesus is the answer. The most important question is, where will you spend eternity? Can I tell you the answer to that question? It is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. You see, there's only two doors to eternity. One of those doors leads to heaven. And the Bible says in 1 John, and uh, rather John chapter 1 and verse 12, but to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. That's one of the things that we really rejoiced yesterday, uh, Jake and Jim and Jason in our discipleship program. We rejoiced for a moment about being sons and daughters of God. It's just an amazing thing to think that when we are followers of Christ, when we become a Christian, we actually become part of this family. God is our father. We are his children. And it's an amazing thing. And that's the door that leads to heaven and eternal life. But there's another door that leads to hell. And in John chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so absolutely, Jesus Christ is the answer. And with that as an introduction, I want to introduce to you our guest today that we're going to study in the Christmas story. And here they are. Are you ready? We're going to learn some things from these guys. The shepherds. The shepherds. We're going to go to Luke chapter number 2 in just a moment. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm going to actually read a few verses that aren't going to be on the screen. And we're going to see how the shepherds knew how to find the answer in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you five principles regarding, first of all, how God, God finds us. Because remember, before we find God, God finds us. In fact, in John chapter 6 and verse 44, the Bible very clearly says that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
So before we find God, he finds us, which means this. If you are here this morning, God is seeking you. He's seeking you. He wants a personal relationship with you. So how exactly does God find us? Well, now I think we're ready for the story of the shepherds. So here it is in Luke chapter 2. Follow along as I read the text, and then I'm going to do something very, very special in this Christmas season. Because I think Christmas is special. So we like to do special things. Here we go. You ready? Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were filled with great fear. And then the angel said, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the shepherds went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has been known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. What I want to do for the next few moments is I want to bring you into the story. And, you know, sometimes the only way to do that is to get a visual of the story. And so for the next few moments, and I really prayed about this because the video is a little mini, kind of a mini movie. It's about 15 minutes long. And then I'll come back up and speak for about 15 to 20 minutes. That'll be our service. So trust me, pay attention. And let me introduce to you the story of the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2. No. People must know. My prayer this morning for all of us as we enter into this message about the shepherds. And just for a few moments as we introduce them in a deeper way to each and every one of you. My prayer is that we would come to the place where we would want to leave this place so that people can know. We need the lights under the balcony as well, guys. Let's go to the story, shall we? I hope that's helped you so far. Let me give you some thoughts from Scripture. Four things, five things about these shepherds and how God found them and how God finds us. Look at number one, would you, in your notes? The first thing I want you to notice about the shepherds is that God met them right where they were. And God will find us right where we are. Now, the picture of the shepherds in the Word of God is is very positive. That's one thing we all could say probably if you've read the story of the shepherds. You, you, it, there's a warm, fuzzy feeling when you read the story. It's an amazing thing and how the angels shone uh, that glorious light to them and they found Jesus. And, but yet, 
in Scripture, in Jesus' day, they were very, very lowly in that culture. These were men who would have been like gypsies. They would have moved from job to job. Their job was not very desirable, and they would have more than likely not been able to consistently provide for their families. But what we learn from that is this, that God is interested in everyone. He comes to these lowly shepherds. In fact, the, 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 the one shepherd that they featured more than the others was probably the lowliest of all of the shepherds. The one who was crippled, the one who always lagged behind. But it was interesting how in that little mini show, they, they, they portrayed that one as very special. I want you to know everybody in this room is very special to God. And he's seeking after you. He wants to have a relationship with you. God loves you. God loves us. And he comes after us. And God met these shepherds during the night shift. Not during the day shift, but during the night shift. In a, in a lowly place, in a field somewhere. And it doesn't tell us how many there were. It just, know, it just tells us in the passage there were shepherds. Plural. I'm guessing three, maybe four, probably five. I think that they probably predicted it pretty well. Because shepherds wouldn't be taking care of just a handful of sheep. It would have been a, a, probably a lot of sheep. They were taking care of a herd of sheep. Now, most animals, and I'm not sure that you would agree with me. I, I don't want to hear from any animal activists this week. No emails, please. Most animals are dumb. They just are. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge animal person. Seems as if probably we would admit that most animals have an issue uh, at times with being dumb and, and hard to deal with. But have you ever thought about why sheep need shepherds? I'm going to tell you why in case you have have not guessed it yet, they're dumb. Cows don't need shepherds. Uh, You know, chickens don't need shepherds. You don't don't hear about chicken shepherds. (laughs) But sheep need shepherds. And the Bible says that Jesus is the good shepherd. And who are we? We are the sheep. And we need God to meet us where we are. We try to find our own way, but we find that in looking for our own way, we always fail. For years, I was trying to find the way through good works and being a good person and being baptized and doing all of these things that would would please God. And I, I would find favor with God because of what I was doing. But I found out that is not the way. Why? Because I, I'm just, I, I don't know the way. I need someone to lead me. I need a shepherd. It says in verse 8 that they were keeping watch over their flocks by night. These shepherds were guarding their sheep. And I'm so thankful today how God guards and protects us. So let me ask you a question. Where did God find you? He found these shepherds. Where did God find you? What a wonderful story we heard a moment ago from our three that gave that testimony and we we hear a little glimpse into how God found them and and I can tell you now God found me in a single parent home raised in a Roman as a Roman Catholic altar boy not knowing Jesus and what he did for me on the cross not knowing the gospel never being invited to accept Christ and his payment for my sins through his sacrificial gift of his son Jesus I I didn't know that and so when God found me on about the 10th row of a church in a Christian school chapel service wow it's it's had an incredible profound impact in my life 
God found me, and I've been spending my days following after him. What's your story? How did God find you? We all have a story, and we're talking about how God finds a person. It's a wonderful truth in Scripture. And so the first thing we learn from the shepherds is this. He meets us where we are. Number two, we see that he brings us to our knees. You have an encounter with Jesus. And you understand who he really is. It'll bring you to a place of humility. Look at verse number nine in the text. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. What an intense scene that was. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. Anytime you see the glory of the Lord in scripture, you're going to find lightning and flashing and lights and fire. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were filled with great fear. Their response to having come in contact with the glory of the Lord was they were sore afraid. They were filled with great fear. He brings us to our knees. All through scripture you find this. When King David met the angels in 2 Chronicles in chapter number 21 and verse 16 of 1 Chronicles, it says, And David lifted his eyes, and David saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, and in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. And David and the elders were clothed in sackcloth, and they fell upon their faces. All through Scripture, those who see the Lord or those who meet with the Lord fall to their knees. But please listen. The posture of your body is not nearly as important as the posture of your heart. A moment ago, we sang a great song, Rooftops. I I love that song. And it admonishes us in several places of the song to come to our knees, to lift our hands, to open our arms. And not everybody here was doing that. And that's okay. It's okay to do it as well. But God's more concerned with the posture of your heart than he is the posture of your body. Humility. This is always the way with God. Always. Humility. God cannot help you. God cannot help me until I rightly view him so I can rightly view myself. And coming to God is the process of understanding how great he is. And how small and how sinful and how unworthy I am. But as I come in contact throughout my time on earth witnessing and sharing the gospel, it seems as if so many want to find their own way. I've got this. Reminds me of a a poem that I, I read years ago and kept it in my files called Invictus. The word Invictus in Latin means invincible. It was written by a man by the name of William Ernest Henley. He wrote this song right before he committed suicide. It describes an arrogant, I don't need God attitude of heart. In fact, Timothy McVeigh, the Oklahoma City bomber, Timothy McVeigh gave a copy of this poem right before he was executed to the prison warden. And it reads like this. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud under the bludgeonings of chance. My head is bloody but unbowed. 
Beyond the place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, because I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And I wonder how many people have stepped off into eternity with those words on their lips only to find out there is no hope. And then there's another poem. This poem was written by a beautiful lady by the name of Dorothea Day. She wrote the poem after reading the poem Invictus. She took the theme of the poem we just read and she built upon that theme with the thought in mind that Jesus is the captain. She wrote a poem about the humble heart that can find God. Look at it here. Out of the night that dazzles me, bright as the sun from pole to pole, I thank the God I know to be for Christ, the conqueror of my soul. Since his sway of circumstance, I would not wince nor cry aloud. Under that rule which men call chance, my head with joy is humbly bowed. Beyond this place of sin and tears, that life with him and his, the aid, despite the menace of the years, keeps and shall keep me unafraid. I have no fear. Go straight the gate. He cleared from punishment the scroll. Christ is the master of my fate. Christ is the captain of my soul. Each of us here this morning is choosing for ourselves which one of these two expressions is going to represent our hearts this morning and our lives. So I ask you this morning, is God meeting you right now where you are? Maybe in a new and a fresh way. You know what I sense in my life right now? And I I say this in a way that hopefully will encourage you and excite you about your pastor. Is that I I feel as if God is is showing me things in in these times that I'm I'm, I'm reading my Bible and and, and sharing the gospel. I feel like as if he's growing me right now. Like I feel so anointed by God in in a fresh way, in a new way. And it excites me. I sense that amongst our congregation. I really do. I, I'm talking to young people and the young married couples and even in our little discipleship group. It's so refreshing. We plan on meeting an hour and so far everyone has gone two hours. And we're okay with it. Because there's an excitement, there's an electricity right now in our hearts about God and knowing more about God and chasing after God. He found us and he's brought us to our knees. And now we want to know him. What is the circumstance that God is using in your life to humble you right now? What is the painful experience in your life right now that God has brought to you to humble you and to bring you to your knees? What is the difficult situation you're going through right now? God has given you that situation in your life so that you can see how desperately you need him. It's a good thing. When you come out of it, trust me, you'll know God in a new and a fresh and an amazing way. He meets us where we are. He brings us to our knees. Number three, he gives you, like he did the shepherds, right? He gives you the good news. That's what he did for the shepherds. Look at verse 10 in the text. The angel says to them, you ready? The angel says, fear not. It's amazing, but how strange is it that God makes us afraid and then says, don't be afraid. (laughs) He brings us to our knees and then he embraces us. Don't be afraid. 
For behold, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Can I get an amen for good news? Amen. Oh, we live in a world of bad news. I mean, listen, good news is what the world desperately needs to hear. And then great joy. Great joy. We seldom hear about great joy, but we desperately need it. So what is the good news? Jesus Christ came into the world to solve a problem that you could not solve yourself. That's the good news. Jesus became a man. And he died, or rather he lived a sinful life. And he he died as a substitute to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be forgiven. Because the problem is my sin. In Isaiah chapter number 59, in verse number 2, it says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. So that he does not hear. But Jesus is the answer. And Christ came and paid the penalty for our sins so that we don't have to go to hell and pay for them ourselves. You don't have to be separated from God forever. And that's good news. That's good news. God loves you. Jesus died for you. You can be reconciled to God through repentance and faith. That is the good news of Christmas. And we find in verse number 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Here it is. Good news in one word. A Savior. A Savior. Who is Christ the Lord. So how does God find us? He meets us where we are. He brings us to our knees. He gives us the good news. And then fourthly, He fills our mouth with praise. (laughs) I'm going to tell you the natural reaction to somebody who has been given the good news is to praise. Oh, look at verse 13 in the text, in the text. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And that should be the heartfelt expression of every person that God finds. When God finds us, it's glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. His presence to be made manifest, to be made known. Glory to God in the highest. His presence to be made made manifest in the very highest possible way we can. I don't know what it is you're going through this morning. We, We talked about a few difficult things that you might be going through. Some stuff that's bothering you. Maybe you're going through a difficult financial situation. I'm not sure what it is, but can I ask you this morning to see the goodness and the blessing and the grace of God in that trial. And so you can say with the shepherds, glory to God in the highest. Because it's proof that you know Christ. A heart's desire for God to be glorified in the highest possible degree. That's the reason why we're here. We're here to give glory to God in our lives, in our church, in our finances, whatever it is. We just want God to get the glory. He fills our mouth with praise. And then lastly, he fills our hearts with peace. Look at the text in verse 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, verse 14, and on earth peace. Peace 
You see, the peace of God comes to those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. That's who the peace comes to. So how does a person get the peace in favor of God? Well, here's how a person does it. And it's totally against the grain of human nature. You've got to come to God on his terms, not your terms. That seems to be difficult for a lot of people. But think about it. It's just logical. If you go to the mechanic and you tell the mechanic, man, I got a, I got a click in my engine. And the, and the mechanic looks at you and says, well, you, you know, you need to change the oil in your car, Mr. Capace. When's the last time you changed it? Well, I haven't changed it since I bought it. It's got 30,000. Well, sir, let me tell you, you need to change the oil right now. Well, I want to change the oil right now. I'll tell you what, you're not going to tell me what to do with my car. I'll do what I want to with my car, obviously. Well, I've been walking lately. <laughs> or maybe I go home today and my wife fixes a fabulous meal, which I know she is, and the whole family will be there. And, and I'll say, listen, I want to eat dinner in 10 minutes. And she said, well, it won't be ready for 30 minutes. And I said, well, look, I want dinner right now. And if dinner's not ready right now, I'm not going to eat. Well, maybe you've noticed I've been losing some weight. <laughs> you see... She's in charge of the kitchen. The mechanic knows what he's doing with the car. The problem is we can't come to God on our terms. We have to come to God on his terms. Stop going your own way. There's a song that I remember. I remember being a kid, and for some reason I'm picturing myself sitting in in an apartment with my dad and listening to Frank Sinatra sing a song with these words. Now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my cause, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I traveled each and every highway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few. But then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times I... I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew, but through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, and I stood tall and did it my way. For what is man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. Say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. And that's the song they sing in hell. But the song they sing in heaven is John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. That's God's terms. And no one gets to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's through Jesus Christ. The song they sing in heaven is, I did it God's way, not my way. The one way, the only way, the narrow way. And if we do, he fills our hearts with peace. (laughs) And so you say, well, how do we find him? You just believe him. That's what the shepherds did. Look again at the text in verse 15 as we finish the message. If God speaks, just believe him. Just believe him by faith. Notice the shepherds. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, 
Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord hath made known to us. You've got to love this. They just believed. And then notice their faith was revealed in action. Verse 16. And they went with haste. Straight to Bethlehem. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. In other words, if God is speaking to you this morning about something, do it. If God is calling you today to come to himself and become a believer, come, follow him, just believe. Your faith will be revealed in action. What we saw today, a moment ago, in that baptistry was faith revealed in action. Obedience, unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of what Jesus Christ has done for them. And then in closing, and again, you've got to love this, verse 17, I love it. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. You know, some people say about their religious experience, well, it's just a personal thing. Just sort of keep it to myself. Well, you know what? If it was just a thing... Maybe you could keep it to yourself, but this is not just a thing. This is a radical transformation that takes place when Jesus Christ comes into your heart and life and he changes you and you cannot help but to tell somebody about it. And that's what the shepherds did. They made known the saying, when you find Jesus, you can't help but to tell people the good news. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And in this story, we are the shepherds. We are the shepherds. We have a responsibility. God has told us what to do. May we do it. May we be obedient. May Christmas be more than presents. More than Christmas carols and gifts. May may Christmas truly be the story of Jesus. And the gift of Jesus, God's greatest gift. May this be the emphasis of our lives. May this be the emphasis of our homes. May it be like it was for Jake when he got done with discipleship. He couldn't wait to get home and share it with his family. And then his girl got saved. Because when God speaks to you, you got to tell somebody. And what better place to tell somebody than your own family. I challenge you today. Let's be like the shepherds. Let's spread the good news. You have a story of how God found you and how you found God. Now tell that story with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. In just a moment, we're going to give a response song. With everything we've experienced this morning, everything, our baptisms and our worship time and our offering, our announcements, the message, the video. Everything was done in a, in a way that I believe could bring us to a place where we can respond like the shepherds. Let's do that. They responded. Let's respond. Let's not just be someone who sits and soaks and sours. Let's be someone who Response. Let's 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 just, let's ask the Holy Spirit right now. What is it you're trying to show me? Teach me what this difficult situation, this painful experience, God. You've brought me to my knees, and God says yes because I have some good news. 
and he wants us to praise him and be filled with peace and share that with others. And so in just a moment, as we give this invitation, if there is someone under the sound of my voice that has never met Christ as their Savior, but you would say today that God is drawing me to himself, then come. In just a moment, come. Brother Butch and I will be up here as elders, just ready to receive or pray with anyone who needs prayer. And maybe others could come and just kneel and pray. And and yet others could just follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, whatever that is. Father, God, we love you. You're amazing. And Father, just like you came to those shepherds, you're here. You've come to us. And the glory of the Lord has shone round about us. And Father, with humble hearts, we bow. We recognize you as our Lord and our Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the only one who can save. Thank you for coming that first Christmas morning. Thank you, God, for laying down your life so that I could go free. I love you, and I love these people, and I pray that all those today here, whether I know them well or not, that they would feel loved, but especially loved by you. So speak and work in this moment as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand?